Welcome to the Wealth Collective Podcast, where the goal is to make finance fun and accessible to everyday Australians, sharing tips and tricks on how people can improve their financial position and have a laugh along the way. The information contained on this podcast is general advice only and hasn't taken into account your personal circumstances. Before acting on any of the content you've heard, you should consult your own financial advisor to consider whether that is appropriate for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Wealth Collective podcast. It's Friday, the 8th of February. I'm Zach Masters. And I'm Pete Pennycott. And today we're joined on the show by Associate Advisor Daniel Reaper. Lads, it's been a big week for those of us in the financial services sector with the Royal Commission being handed down. So what, do you, what were your thoughts? Uh, I thought it was a lot softer than what I um, thought it was going to be initially. So mm. I was a bit really, a bit, sort of a bit spooked about what they do to sort of the big four banks. Yeah. what role they can play in terms of trying to break up sort of advice and, you know, having vertical integration. But I think it was a, as you could see in the sort of the rally by the banks, had the yeah. best, <laughs> best <laughs> single day share price. Absolutely surged. So. Since, um, <laughs> since the GFC. So that's yeah. um, obviously it was um, pretty kind to banks. So um, all in all, I think it was pretty good, except, you know, probably wouldn't want to be a mortgage broker this week. It's a nah. bit of a shock to the system. Yeah. What about you, Dan? Exact same view. So... I was expecting Hain to be a lot more harsh to the big banks, um, especially to the CEOs. But, yeah, they just got a little uh, slap on the wrist, essentially, um, and really unfortunate about brokers. So not the best time to One of the CEOs has exited since. Yeah, he has. He he was the one that copped. uh, He copped absolute abuse. So, yeah, heaps to talk about, really. Yeah, Yeah, so I thought that this week... um, Flowing on from the Royal Commission report, we talk about the changes that will affect um, some of the listeners out there and probably what that will look like for them because there's going to be some change. Like most of it is probably going to be business as normal for a lot of our clients. Yeah, look, I think we were we were trying to future-proof ourselves as best as possible, but um, that's not for the general market as well. So there's you know, mm. a lot of people, want, you know, we've got a few listeners that are not clients as well. Yeah. So um, I guess taking that into account, that might change the way you are sort of charged for getting advice now. So yeah, so we might start with probably one of my favourite changes with the report is the superannuation change. So having only been able to have the one default fund from now on. So what's going to happen is that in the past, every time you've had a new job, you've more than likely started a new super fund. Yeah, unless you were proactive of going like, yeah, here's my existing super funds details. Um, but I know for a lot of especially younger listeners out there. They've probably just gone, yeah, whatever, just set me up. Mm. Set me up with whatever one you, you normally use, um, which will mean you have, you know, two or three or maybe more super accounts. You're paying admin fees on each of them. Yeah. You could have income protection in potentially all of them. Yeah, exactly. Paying for premiums that necessarily you mightn't be able to claim on. Mm. And all those types of things will change. So the first one is now that you'll only have the one default fund and in new employers won't be able to keep um, setting you up with another yeah. fund. Um, so what's your thoughts on this one, guys? Well, I think it's awesome. So as you said, when you're young, you change jobs all the time. Um, and by the time you actually start to have a look into super in more detail and things like that, you're going to end up with four or five funds. So um, consolidating them all in one, I think it's just simple. It's easy to manage um, and it's a much better outcome for the the client out there. Oh, maybe sort of the younger Australians need to be a bit more loyal about where they're working <laughs> and just stick, stick with one employer. Um, yeah, I think it's a it, it's a win. I think it's a minor one. I think, yeah. I think it's a bit, little bit overblown in terms of 
you know, duplication of admin fees. You know, we're not talking, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars per fund. But, you know, I think the big one is does this mean younger Australians might be underinsured as well? Because a lot Mm. of those times when you had, you know, several funds out there, you were picking up bits of insurance. And Mm. I guess the stats all say that younger people don't go out and get insurance. So having default cover, and I know sort of Hamer's pretty against having sort of default insurance cover, which I think is a... I don't know. I think that's really, really short-sighted because we've actually dealt with a, a fair few young people who have benefited from the default cover and it's actually saved their butts. You know, oh, make yeah. sure they can, you know, mortgages can be paid and stuff like that because it, it can happen to anyone. So I think that one, that's probably the one little thing I'm nervous about. You know, there's, there's benefits so people are going to save some money and not having multiple funds. That's great. But there is that risk of going, hey, what if something goes wrong? Um, that safety net's not necessarily there for them as well. Well, I think that probably flows on to the next point too, is that they seem to be in the report that they don't seem to think there's an under-insurance problem in Australia, yeah. a lot of the changes that they decided to make. Yeah, and I, I don't know what stats he's looking at to yeah. figure out there's no um, under-insurance problem. So, um, yeah, we'll talk about that because I think the changes to insurance um, commissions might make that less appealing for people to actually... Yeah, go out and actually provide, yeah. provide that sort of advice because they're actually specialist businesses because you know, insurances can be pretty complex. So, you know, if you're not going to be rewarded for it financially and clients don't have the propensity or the desire to actually pay for that sort of advice because mm-hmm. it is one of the least sexy parts of what we do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in terms of sort of forking out money to then pay for insurance, yeah, it might be a bridge too far and that's where the, the old commission structure um, it was sort of getting more and more Australians insured. So, um, yeah, well, I think that we'll have a chat about that one as well. Yeah, so that's the the change to that is potentially getting rid of all upfront and trail commissions on insurance products for financial advisors. So the way it works currently is that advisors normally get paid a percentage of the premiums upfront and ongoing. Yeah. And the idea is that hopefully that they're, you know, looking after you and if you've got issues or if you need to make a claim and things like that, that's why that commission is there or that, you know, constantly trail yeah. is there. and the trail's there to make sure your advisor should be servicing you. So, yeah. you know, if, if changes need to be made. So I had a client call yesterday and they've had quite significant changes to their circumstances where they've received inheritance, kids are now, you know, out of school, all of them. Um, debts come down, so let's reduce your cover. That all happens and, you know, there's no advice fee charged for that because that's what the servicing um, trail was sort of covering. Mm. Um, yeah, and you know, us going to a user pay system, it's not impossible. Like we've we've been pretty comfortable with that for the last 10 years yeah. um, in financial advice. But that's probably the, the battle that a lot of the mortgage brokers are going to face now yeah. of actually going, what is the value I provide? What is the service offering that I have? And actually pricing and making sure that clients can understand what they're paying for. Because yeah. um, that's half the battle where sometimes if it happens happens in the background, it was a bit easier for clients to sort of um, yeah, absorb those costs. Mm. And I think part of the issue is that well, majority of people don't like paying for insurances. Like it's not something that everyone jumps at and goes, oh, yeah, I can't wait to pay my premiums. Yeah, it's probably one of the most important things that you're going to ever do. And my worry is that an added fee on top of that is going to push people away yeah, from it's it. Gonna yeah, it's going to kind of, that could be just one barrier too many that will go, mm. oh, hang on a second, like I can't, I'm not paying an extra fee on top of having to pay for premiums and and all that type of stuff. And it's whether or not the insurers are going to pass on the full discount yeah. to the clients well, as well. And I, I can't see that happening. So yeah. you'd like to think that you know, there'll be a complete saving to consumers. So therefore, you know, if you can 
give good financial advice around insurances, charge for it. The clients actually, you know, know worse off. Yeah. But they just they know what they're paying for the advice and they know what they're paying for the product. Yeah. Similar yeah. to where we're at with investments now where you go, clients know exactly the value they're getting from the advice and they know exactly what they're paying for the product and the two are sort of clearly distinct. Um, I really like that. I just sort of fear that too, yeah. people are a bit more excited about making money as opposed to getting insurance. So yeah. whether or not we'll sort of... Um, less and less people seeking advice about insurance. And then the, the ultimate penalty, you know, people are going to be more reliant on family, friends, social security. Yep. It it Settling for repellent, we often call the income. Protection. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that sort of makes me a little bit nervous. But yeah, ultimately, I think, you know, the businesses that are built predominantly around just providing specialist insurance services, they're going to be hardest hit by that. Yeah, and I think probably the point to mention too is we, as advisors, get notifications when the credit card's you know, expired or things like that, that potentially clients have moved house and then yeah. might be getting it. Or a, roll o- a rollover's bounce because they've sort of changed funds and it's trying to debit the wrong, yeah, the, the wrong fund. Both in the one year and some funds don't allow that. Like little things like that. Um, if an advisor's not getting paid a fee to continually look after it, um, I think there could be a chance of a lot more dishonours and things like that or yeah. premium yeah, sure. policies lapsing, um, which is not what you want. At all? No, absolutely not. So I think that yeah, ultimately that one's not gonna. It's not gonna disrupt much of what we're doing. It just might change the way people approach um, getting insurances. So, yeah. were there other big ones that sort of jumped out at you off the page? Uh, so the other one that probably is caused the most uproar is for the mortgage brokers and sort of change to their commission structure. So they had everyone sort of putting out those uh, change your Facebook profile. Yeah, the profile photos. <laughs> sort of get around and support your local broker. broker yeah. I didn't actually do that. So, uh, <laughs> I do have some really, really good uh, mortgage broking partners and um, I was nearly compelled to do it, but I'm you know, pretty <laughs> precious about my Facebook. Profile, <laughs> yeah. so, you know. so what are your thoughts on it? Uh, look, I think, it, yeah, I could, you could see this coming because I think mm. um, you know, the financial planning industry is a bit of the canary in the coal mine. Um, for the broking industry. Yeah. And we, we struggled with that transition, you know, 10, 10 or so years ago. Um, and, you know, I think it can be done. So I think people will pay for good quality um, advice when it comes to mortgages because people think it's really simple about, oh, yeah, fill out some details and send your pay slips off in a group certificate but and then log on to sort of the mortgage comparison sites. It's not that simple. Like yeah. Getting the right mortgage that fits you, you know, in terms of, does it have the right features? You know, what's the consequence of... Especially uh, with all the lending restrictions at the moment. Right now. Yeah, I was just getting it, getting the cover. Like yeah. a really good mortgage broker, and we find that with our clients, can secure you, you know, the right loan at the right rate um, with the right features. Um, mm. Whereas if you're doing it, flying blind yourself and just walk into the branch, you're only getting one person to look at it who's, you know, got a little bit there, obviously going to be biased. You walk into a yeah, name Z branch, I don't think they're giving you a CBA um, home <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so I think they'll they'll be able to do it. But initially, there needs to be some sort of saving to the client um, to actually allow for them to charge the appropriate fee. So yeah. um, ultimately, providing the clients no worse off, I think really good mortgage brokers will thrive in this sort of environment. Um, and we know a few of them who are, yeah, a little bit sort of you know, feeling feeling the pressure this week, but I think they're pretty excited about the prospects of, you know, they'll see a lot of people who are not that comfortable being clear about what the advice they're, yeah. they're giving. Yeah. They might sort of exit the industry. Yeah. The only issue I see with it is that um, usually at a time when you're going to get a home loan for a lot of people, you're probably quite cash poor with, yeah. with being able to, you know, mm-hmm. afford things on top of that, whereas that was where the commission 
structure really helped because they didn't see it as an out-of-pocket expense on top of what they're currently doing. You know, like if you're trying to avoid lenders' mortgage insurance and things like that, that extra three grand or depending what the fee's going to be um, could potentially push people into LMI territory. And And the prediction is, I think, everyone's predicting the big four win out of this. They're the big winners because... People will just go to their main bank and sort of go, hey, can I get a mortgage because I don't have to pay a fee? Um, I think what would level the playing fields a bit is if they did force everyone has to charge a fee for the That's advice. the only way I can see that it's fair. Yeah, because otherwise if you go, I can go into the branch mm-hmm. and pay nothing, yep. I can go elsewhere and pay something. Because um, that's the beauty of the system at the moment is you go, why would you not go and see a broker now? Because yeah. you're going to have so much more choice, someone else to yeah. help you and guide you through it rather than just going down to your local branch and saying, give me a loan and just copying whatever. Yeah, it, it seems like on the surface, and we'll wait to see. Look, this is all just sort of recommendations at the moment. Exactly. The legislation hasn't been passed. I think that's really mm-hmm. important to note. And yeah, it'll be several months, even if they accept all the recommendations mm-hmm. for it to sort of become legislation. So, um, yeah, the level, the level playing field is really important because we don't want an anti-competitive uh, environment where the bigger the bigger businesses just sort of dictate pricing and they can you know they get, take advantage of clients because that's ultimately what these sort of um, measures were trying to protect. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Did you have any thoughts on this one? Dave? Yeah, I think um, if you look at brokering and th- that transition to the kind of advice type role, I think it's awesome for the client. Um, it builds that long term relationship. The client knows what they're paying for and things like that. So I think um, it's a good thing. Um, personally, I wouldn't like. I, I would be happy paying a certain um, fee to get that brokerage right because I know that they're going to be digging real deep to find out what's the best structure, what's the best rate. Yeah. Um, and even even hypothetically, let's say that I'm struggling to find a loan because. My well, expenses. You got, got very bad credit, <laughs> exactly. credit history. Yeah. So, so if, 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 I, if I have poor, poor credit history and my cash flow is looking really bad, um, that's where the, the mortgage broker comes in to save the day because they're going to dig really deep and most often not, they're going to find that that loan for you. It might not be the best rate, but they're still going to find it. Whereas if you go to a bank directly, you can. they're going to say straight up no. Yeah, and I think it's you save a lot of time going to a broker as well. Yeah, you do. Um, and I think I think whatever whichever way it goes, and I hope it's not a massive rush there, and they sort of tear apart businesses because if they abolish all the retrospective trail, a lot of people mm-hmm. have built their bought books, taken out loans, entire books in their business, and then really really high quality operators might actually yeah. exit the industry and mm-hmm. have, have some unintended consequences. Yeah. So I think providing it's a measured and staged approach, um, long term. Like financial advisors used to get paid for placing clients in investments. Yeah. And, you know, that was the commission. That's how you got paid. You didn't charge a plan fee. And yeah, now, that, fee. now that feels like it'll be now so that feels long ago. Yeah. I can't even... wrong, yeah. Yeah, yeah you'd almost fall off your chair if that happened nowadays. <laughs> yeah. But So it takes time, and it did take time for us to adjust. Um, but I think people are pretty, pretty smart, and they'll say, you know, your time's valuable. Getting the right loan, you know, you're not sort of making this decision off a $50,000 transaction. Yeah. It's... In a lot of cases, nearly half a million bucks yeah. and, and beyond. So moving the needle on that, even if it's a you know, a quarter of a percent difference, and you have an offset account instead of not having an offset account, if you've got the right redraw facility, mm. yeah, in terms, of, show, the in terms of showing the value, it's it's it, it is there. And I, I'm a big advocate for mortgage brokers as opposed to going direct to the branches, and yeah. we'll continue to 
um, you know, support those guys regardless of how their fee structure looks, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what else is in there, guys? So, so the big one I love was the no hawking. Mm. Um, so no more unsolicited calls trying to sell you super or insurance no. products. That's a bit disappointing. <laughs> so, I was, so, I was like, so I'm not going to get any phone calls anymore. At Enjoy all. the call yeah. from insurance provider. Well, if you do, it'll be illegal. <laughs> yeah, so that was the big one. I think we saw, obviously, the case there was someone with Down syndrome got called and got sold life insurance. Which yeah. was shocking, yeah. Too. Um, so that's the type of stuff that obviously gives the the industry a really bad bad rap. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're getting pretty shoddy advice in quotation marks. Yeah. Well, I, I, um, I, over the phone. It's a big yeah. quotation. Well, when, 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 I, when I was 20, I got a call from Safeway trying to sell me some life insurance. And I was like, mate, I have no debts. I'm 20 years old. Why are you trying to sell me life insurance? <laughs> just, just, just ridiculous. So I think, I think that's great. Yeah. So that was one of the um, really good ones. Obviously, for the financial planning side of things, now we're going to have an annual opt-in type of arrangement mm. where you'll have to outline the fees that are being paid. Um, and for most of, well, for all our clients, they they know their fees. Yeah. On an annual basis. Yeah. Like anyway. fee disclosure statements are going out anyway, but I think it's yeah. clarifying what services have you provided for last year, and also I think. Having a peak fold and going, what services are you going to provide me for the yeah. next 12 months and opting in? So that currently happens every two years. So that'll just be, that'll bring that sort of a little bit tighter. So I think all it is, is it's just putting putting the fees and cost in front of clients regularly. And you should because they need to know what they're paying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's something that I think good advisors, no one's fearing that. It's just another administrative burden. It's another cost that gets added on and sort of costs are starting to blow out. And that's where. The big risk with all of the the complexities and um, all these additional you know, paperwork requirements to try and bring about you know clarity in terms of what actual advisors are charging mm. you for doesn't make financial advice unaffordable for the Australian you know, average Australian. Yeah. Um, so is financial advice going to become just for the wealthy? And that that would be pretty sad state of affairs if that happens. Yeah. But yeah, we see now just the back office burden. Um, just the extra admin stuff yeah, yeah. and it's not value adding for clients so it needs to happen and they know it's there mm. and I think it, it's yeah, it's their design to try yeah. to protect consumers and but we can't do it for free cost. so that's why that cost is associated with that and yeah. we're hearing that a lot right now so as you said they're only the wealthy going to be seeking financial advice yeah so, so, yeah. I, look, I think ultimately that one, that's probably the main one. I think the having to disclose your independence as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's a really good one. So just going, hey, just get it out there in the open because if you are, if you can only recommend these products, just yeah. say it. And if the client says, that's cool because that's the product I wanted anyway. Well, every advisor has an approved product list, yeah, but yeah. it's probably not something that clients are going out and actually trying to find looking out and, see, at and yeah. seeing. You know, yeah. Because you know, in an F, a financial services guide, which a client gets at every sort of initial meeting and any time it changes, mm. It's always lit referenced in there, yeah. but, but you know, I don't know how many people are actually going out and reading because it's a pretty chunky document. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good one just to get it out in the open and say, hey, this is what I can recommend. And if there's stuff on there that you're not comfortable with or it's not got what you're after, um, I think consumers are getting more savvy as well. So, you do your homework before you go meet with someone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, yeah. So, I think that's a really good thing as well. The other thing I'll uh, mention with the opt in potentially annually is that for a lot of our clients, like a lot of our clients travel and things like that, yeah. um, that we're going to have to be, you know, really on top of when, when that, when we like when that yeah. coming up, are they going to be away? Yeah. Um, because obviously we're going to have a time frame between if we can't get them to sign yeah. the document, um, that then we're going to have to go, hang on a second, we're going to have to turn off 
fees and yeah. um, all that type of stuff, which is just going to be probably a really harsh thing from an admin perspective yeah. as well. Yeah, no, so I looked, I, all in all, I think it was pretty good. I, I don't know if there's too much else that was the big one, so... No, I think the, the was, main thing. Yeah, yeah, that was about it in terms of what would probably impact yeah. our clients mm. or, and listeners probably the most um, yeah, in terms so of that. We'll be publishing a bit of a, a summary now that we've had a bit of time to digest it because um, I did start reading it on Monday and it was, it's a pretty chunky document, so I, yes. didn't, yeah, I, didn't, I, I didn't get through the whole 950-odd <laughs> pages on Monday, but... Um, gradually working through it, there's a lot of good opinion pieces out there. So we'll sort of put our thoughts and how it impacts our clients directly because I think that's really important. How What's the impact to individuals? Yeah. Um, and I think for listeners out there, if you want, um, you know, more detail on things like that, um, just shoot us an email at connect at picarda.com.au because then we can add you to the newsletter list. Mm. And that probably has a bit more yep. in-depth kind of information about things like this um, than we do in these podcasts. Yep. Um, so that's probably something to look at. Is there anything else that you think that we've missed that you think that we should go over? Or? No, no. I think just the main thing is just reinforcing. Don't jump at shadows just yet. This is, these are all just recommendations. Yeah, exactly. I think they've made it pretty easy for the government to accept the recommendations, whichever government we're going to have in power. Yeah. And then... Well, I think both of them have said, like the Liberals have said, it's pretty much just the upfront yeah. commissions for the brokers that mm. they're not that keen on yeah and in principle labor said they'd accept all of them so yeah. Yeah. so as always with these just like legislation will take time so don't sort of go making any rash decisions speak to your advisor get clarity on what's actually happening and how it may impact you mm-hmm. um and yeah reach out to us if there's any questions so we might sort of uh, wrap it up there i reckon cool well that's all for today's episode of the wealth collective podcast we hope you got something out of today and if you have anything in particular you want to hear from us then send us an email or hit us up on twitter Facebook, Instagram, any of those. Um, Thanks for listening. Thank you to Pete and Dan for joining me today and sharing your insights. Thank you. Join us again next time and make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or your favourite podcast service. And as always, send any questions through to connect at picarda.com.au. See you next week. Thanks for tuning into the Wealth Collective podcast. You can get in touch with us and send any questions to connect at picarda.com.au or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. If you have enjoyed this, then please subscribe and five-star us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Until next time, live well and be prosperous.